right, well, I don't know about you, but I am ready to get my Bible open, and so I would invite uh, you to do the same right now as, uh, as we do that. Turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 28. Now, uh, right out of the gate here, we're going to be looking at a few different places in the scriptures here this morning, which is a little bit different than how I would normally uh, preach here. Normally, we just kind of stay in, in one passage and kind of mind down on that and kind of work through it verse by verse and, and word for word even and work through all of that. Today uh, is a little bit different. We're going to be jumping around to a few uh, different passages. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you or, or you prefer not to have to flip around or what have you, this, this stuff, these passages are going to be on the screen as we go along here. Um, but today... Uh, we are beginning a brand new series called Healthy Church, Strong Church. Okay, this will center on the kind of local church that we aspire to be. All right, so this is really going to be kind of like this, this overarching, all right, uh, kind of view of the core values that we are committed to as Redemption Church. Now, I want to kind of start off here by making it, you know, really clear to you because, you know, you might kind of be wondering in your mind, you're like, man, new church name and there's, you know, new, new signage out there and it's a new website and this like connection, like everything's kind of different, right? You might be kind of tempted, you know, to wonder and think like, man, is, is like kind of the, the foundation and the, and the guts and the DNA of our church, is that all changing as well? Right? Not a bad question to ask. Well, I would say here that the the answer to that question is a resounding no. <laughs> okay, I have really kind of liked to, to think about this as, you know, same church, new name. All right, so this series here is, is essentially a, a kind of a reframing of the things that we have always been about. Right? It's an opportunity for us to, to kind of look at what God has called us to uh, as redemption, right? to, to really lay out and, and make it very clear to everybody what our culture is. Right? What, what's the culture that we're trying to build here? What is the, the DNA that we want to see this church be all about? And, and what does the Bible have to say about these things? Right? What does the Bible have to say about you know, a healthy church and a strong church? And so we wanna, we wanna outline that for you starting this morning. And then really the, you know, the thrust for us really becomes for each one of us here to kind of rally around that, right? All right, that this is, this is the church that we wanna see God build. This is the, the work that we wanna see him do in, in my heart, in our hearts. So let's like, let's go, right? Like let, let's get after this together, Okay, so whereas, you know, in the past, you've heard us talk, we've done different teaching series, and, you know, we talk about this in step one and two and all of that, but you've heard, you've heard us, you know, using some of the language of, you know, four pillars, right? Four pillars and, and three W's, worship, walk, work. Well, where we've been using that kind of language, we're kind of making a change here and going to be starting to use the language of our six distinctives. All right, and there's actually like a, like a display banner out there that, that kind of outlines that for you. And I'm sure some of you are looking at that uh, here this morning. And so these six distinctives here are going to make up uh, the content of our series. Now we're gonna be taking a break here in just a few short weeks. It blows my mind to think about this. Uh, Christmas is coming. 
right? So we're gonna have a Christmas series kind of in the middle of this. We're gonna talk about a number of these things, do Christmas, and then in the new year, we're gonna finish off this series, but you see it all there on the screen. These are our six distinctives. And just so you know, you don't need to fear, uh, our old four pillars are built uh, right into this, okay? And so you see the first one there, top left, is fervent prayer, right? When you look at the New Testament and you see what the scriptures are about, the church was a church that prayed, Right? We prayed with fervency. We prayed you know, hard. We prayed in faith. And so fervent prayer is gonna be actually what we're gonna look at next week. You see there, uh, bold preaching, right? Bold preaching, I've said this a number of times, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what my opinion is as, as a person, as a man, even as a pastor, right? And it doesn't really matter what any of our opinions are. What matters is this book, Right? It matters what God has given us in his word. It matters what he says and what he thinks. And so what we want to do is we want to open up the Bible as we're going to be doing here this morning. We just want to look at that. What does he have for us? We want to proclaim that. That's where the power is in a church, right? To preach and preach it boldly. Passionate worship. You see that there. It was so encouraging to hear you sing hard this morning. And so passionate worship is something that we're about. If Christ is as amazing as his word says he is, if salvation is as awesome as we uh, know it is, then we should be giving glory to him. We should be worshiping him. We should be praising him uh, with, with passion, right? And this is something that we do, of course, corporately here at the church, but we should also be just individually doing this and cultivating a lifestyle of worship where we honor and glorify him. Right, you see purposeful disciple-making there. So that uh, is a little bit of a, a new frame up there. Uh, and actually what we're gonna be talking about here this morning, and so we'll have more of that to come here, uh, the, uh, the fifth one there is courageous evangelism. Remember, that was one of our pillars as well. And so as we grow, as we get a, you know, a passion in our souls for Jesus Christ, and as we you know, give honor to him, we should you know, have, have this burden and this longing and this desire to make him known to others. Right, to share our faith, to inv you know, invite people, our neighbors, our friends, our family to church. Right? Have them come because we want them to hear the good news that we have heard and we have their eyes opened as our eyes have been opened. And so courageous evangelism is one of our distinctives. It's about being, it's about being bold in that. It's not about shrinking back and being, and being fearful uh, in any way in those things. And then you see the final one there, which is strategic church planting. And you see all of these things in the New Testament, okay? And so really what we're doing here is we're adopting uh, this new language, the, you know, the language of the six distinctives uh, from uh, the Great Commission Collective. So that is the, the GCC is the network of churches uh, that we belong to. We belong to uh, for two years now, and uh, we're excited to be a part of, and a number of churches in Ontario and across Canada and across the world that are a part of this. And it's really a church planting movement. They exist to strengthen churches and then help churches plant more churches. And so I'm thrilled about all of that. We're going to hear a sermon on just, you know, church planting and what that is all about from the scriptures and look at the New Testament and how did they do that? And, you know, and how are we involved in doing that? And so that's where we get some of this language from. Uh, but of course, most importantly, it's the New Testament that we get all this from, right? The New Testament shows us that these, you know, six things are, are, are the major components of any, you know, healthy and strong church. All right? So the kind of church, of course, that God blesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, that's the kind of church that I want to be involved in. I want to be a church where a part of a church where God is on the move, where God is at work, 
where, where, where people are getting saved, where lives are being transformed. We've heard a couple of testimonies of that already uh, here this morning. And I wanna be a part of that. That's what's drawn me to this uh, work. And, and, and so I'm thankful to be a part of all of this. And so the first distinctive that we're gonna be looking at here today is purposeful disciple-making. Now you might be thinking, well, like why, why start there? Well, we could have started at, at, at really any of them, but we wanna begin here by casting just like the overall vision of or for discipleship uh, in our church, right? That's what we wanna do, right? So this, you know, this is what our mission statement uh, says we are all about. We can actually get the mission statement up there right now. And so just so you know, this hasn't changed uh, at all. The mission is still the same, right? You see it, that we, we exist to you know, glorify God through the fulfillment, okay? The fulfillment of the great commission, which we're gonna see the passage there in just a moment, in the spirit of the great commandment. Now, the spirit of the great commandment, that comes to us from Matthew chapter 22, where it tells us to love God and, uh, and love neighbor, love people, Right? So if we exist to, to glorify God, that's our overarching purpose. That's what it's about. It's not about us. Right? It's not about the, you know, us getting the fame. It's not about us strutting around like we're all that. It's about you know, pointing the glory back to God. That's who deserves it. He is the one, he is the only one who can handle glory. And so if that is our purpose and that's what we're about, then listen, we better you know, put our hands to the plow, so to speak, and we better get after this. Right? We better get to it and we better glorify him and see all of these things you know, happen. I see disciples being made. And so really the question here for us is, you know, are we doing this? Right? That's, that's an important question for us to kind of wrap our heads around. Are we, are we each doing this? This isn't just about a, you know, a pastor or a staff or elders or leaders or whatever doing this and, and making disciples. It's about every single person you know, doing our part. So are we? Are you? Am I? Right? Are we doing this in our own lives? Right? It starts with us being disciples. Right? Are, we, you know, are we discipling ourselves, so to speak? Are we submitting ourselves to God's word? Are we submitting ourselves, humbling ourselves before him and asking him and, and, and seeking him to change our hearts and, and move and transform? Are we doing this in our families? Husbands, are we discipling our wives? Are we leading them in love and gentleness? Are we discipling our, our children, moms and dads? Are we, are we leading them to the cross? Are we... Are we showing them their need for a savior? Or are we encouraging them in all of these things? Are we pointing them to the scriptures? Are we making all of these things a priority? And then of course, hey, are we doing this as a church? Are we doing this here? Are we doing this together? Are we doing this in a mutual sense? So listen, we're gonna unpack some of these things here this morning. We're gonna get into it. I just wanna pray first. And so why don't you join me as we bow our hearts? Lord, we come before you and and recognize that this is a big time and season in the life of our church, God. Father, it's an important kind of reset here as we look at what our culture is and what our DNA is. And so, Father, as we do that and as we open up your word and we look at what it means to, to be about making disciples and being purposeful about that, God, I pray that you'd have mercy on our church, Lord. We know that we are not perfect. Lord, we know that uh, we all have weaknesses. Lord, we know that we're all in the middle of our own sanctification and growth. I pray that we would... We would be a church that loves each other and we'd be patient with each other and all of that. I pray that, Lord, you would continue to work and move and, and pour out your spirit and give us grace, Lord, and, 
and help us to grow mature and become a church that just grows deeper in love with Christ and just has more of an impact in this area and beyond. And so God, um, would you have, again, mercy on us. Help us, oh God, we pray. Lord, we can't do this on our own. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And we recognize that. And when we admit that, Lord, that is when we're in the right place for you to move and you to work. And so God, we pray that you would do just that. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So if you uh, are a note taker here and you've got uh, some, some notes there with you, this will be on the screen. But here's the first thing here today, three things uh, in your notes. We are committed to glorifying God through purposeful, okay, purposeful disciple making. All right, I like that word purposeful. I think what it does there is it, it conveys kind of this, this dogged determination, Right, like we're, we're determined to do this. There, you know, it, it conveys this resolve, right? Like I, I'm resolute in this. I'm, I'm going after this. I, I'm enthusiastic about it, right? It's not just like this serious thing and you know, I'm kind of miserable as I go about this and I guess I have to and, and I'm going, no, we're enthusiastic. We're, we're joyful. There's this you know, holy ambition in the church to see discipleship happen, right? I love that word purposeful. I think it also conveys intentionality, intentionality. We wanna be intentional about how we disciple, about what discipleship is about in our church. And, and I would just say that across the board, you know, across North America in general, I think we have really lost this as, a, as churches. I think we've lost the intentionality of this. I think sometimes we think that, well, you know, if I, as long as I kind of show up, it's all just gonna, it's just gonna happen organically. And we don't really need to have a plan and we don't really need to think it through. And, and sometimes we even think, oh, the spirit will just do it all for me. No, we need to be intentional about this. We kind of have to have a framework here. And, and listen, that framework better be biblical. And then we gotta be purposeful. We have to, again, we have to go after this in a strong and determined uh, way, right? So we're committed to this, committed. And here's the first thing, as it's the clear mission that we've been given. Right? It's the clear mission. And I think we see this in Matthew 28, verses 19 and, uh, and 20. And this is probably not you know, a, a passage that you've never read before. If you've been coming to our church before, we've talked about this. And this is really where you know, we get the great commission from. And so understand that this is Jesus' final words uh, to his disciples. His final words. So he has, he has, he has lived his, his, his earthly ministry. He has, he has already died on the cross. He's, he was in the ground for three days. He, he rose victoriously from the grave, came back to life, defeated sin, defeated death. He, he'd, he'd appeared to just hundreds of people. He'd appeared to his disciples. He'd explained to them. He's like, hey, listen, the Old Testament prophesied about all of these things. The Old Testament, all of it actually points to me and what I would come and do. And so he's told them about all of these things. And, and as he is getting ready to ascend and go be with his father, these are his final words. And so as you can imagine, if they're Jesus' final words in his earthly ministry, they're probably, I don't know, important, right? And so they are. And so here's what he says. He says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, teaching them. So discipleship, a big part of discipleship is, all, is teaching as well, teaching the scriptures, teaching them to observe, he says, all that I have commanded you. 
And I love this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Don't you just love how Jesus ended that? He's not like, hey guys, here are your marching orders. Here's this rather significant task of going out and making disciples all over the planet. Have fun, figure it out. No, he's like, I'm gonna be with you, right? I'm gonna strengthen you. I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit that is coming and he is going to be your power. He is going to be your strength. He's going to be your wisdom in all this. He is going to, through you, make all of this happen. I love that, I love that. We're not, we're not on our own. We're not just, you know, kind of trying to figure this out by ourselves. No, we have God's power, God's spirit with us. Jesus himself is with us to the very end, to the very end. He doesn't leave us, he doesn't forsake us. Now, first off, I think as we're thinking about disciple or, or, you know, and discipleship, I think we have to really just ask the foundational question here. uh, What is that? what, What is a disciple? What is discipleship? Okay, well, really simply put, a disciple uh, is a follower. Okay, a disciple is a, is a follower. So, so a disciple of, of, of Jesus is, is someone who follows him, right? Who follows his commands, follows his ways. And so more specifically, it's a person who has, who has humbled themselves, right? Who has, who has admitted their, their pride, who has admitted that, that their sin is against a, a holy God. And that presents a, a very significant problem when it comes to being in a relationship with him. And so a disciple is one who's, who's humbled themselves and, and, and repented of their sin, have, have turned from their sin and trusted in Christ's saving work on the cross on their behalf, right? He is, he is their savior now. He provides forgiveness. He is, their, he is their Lord. Now, another word for Lord is, is master. So when we submit our lives to Christ, when we get saved, he is now our our Lord, Savior. He's our master. And so we follow him, right? We look to him, we submit our lives to him. Now, discipleship is the process of becoming more like Christ in both our hearts and like our attitudes and in our motivations, all of that. And then of course, all of that leads to holy action, leads to, to right behavior, leads to obeying Christ. Okay, so according to, to verse 18 here, okay, disciples of Christ are tasked with the mission okay, to do what? To make more disciples, right? to make even more of them. He says, go therefore and, and do this work, right? complete this task. Now you might be thinking, all right, man, like, I, you know, I, I kind of I see the plan a little bit, at least from a kind of a 30,000 foot level here. It's, it's, it's make disciples, okay? But, but can you kind of like, can you kind of zoom in on that a little bit? Can you kind of unpack that? Can you, you know, give me some bite-sized chunks here that I can grab hold of and, and kind of digest a little bit? So glad you asked. Okay, because here's a phrase that I've heard recently and I don't even know who came up with it. I'm not claiming it as, at all. I'm not smart enough. Uh, but here's what some of our churches have been using, and I love that. You see it on the screen. This is, you know, I think this really nails, you know, what the process of discipleship looks like, really. And, th- and this is really what we're all about here, okay? So this is simple, but it's clear. It gets after it. Remember this. Memorize it. It's lost people saved. Saved people matured. Matured people multiplied. All, all to the glory of God, right? So let's kind of unpack that a bit. Lost People saved. That's what the discipleship starts with. It starts with salvation, 
right? And, and so here as a church, we're committed to proclaiming the gospel, right? The, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He, he died for your sins, right? He offers you forgiveness. If you would humble yourselves, if you would admit your sin, if you would confess that to God, if you would trust that what Jesus did was, uh, was, was substitutionary, right? Meaning that, that it, it should have been you that died. It should have been you that suffered God's holy anger, God's holy wrath. But, but Jesus was like, no, like I love them so much. I want to step in for them. I want to take their punishment, even though he was innocent, even though he was blameless, right? The gospel tells us that this is what Jesus did. And then he rose again, he defeated death. He was the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. God, the father accepted that. And if we would trust in Jesus Christ, we would be saved, right? We would be saved. We would be united in a relationship with the God of creation, right? This is what we are committed to as a church. We're committed to seeing lost people saved. That's, that's a crucial, that's like the foundational element of, of discipleship. And the gospel is the foundation of what discipleship looks like, you know, from the beginning right through to the end of your life. We constantly, constantly go back to the gospel. And so when those lost people get saved, they then, then the process becomes, well, how, how do we mature now? Right? Like, how do we, how do we grow? How, how do we get to the point where we are, you know, stronger in Christ, where, where, we, where we love him more passionately? You know, with the sins that we struggle with, where we're seeing, you know, the Lord's strength in those areas, where, where we're, you know, we're experiencing, you know, spiritual gifts and God is empowering us to, to serve other people and, and we love him and that humility is being, is being, you know, pressed deeper into our hearts, and into our souls. How do we grow in a matured way? Well, it's a big, that's a big part of this. We're gonna talk more about maturity in a minute. But then from saved people matured, it then becomes that those mature people are multiplied, right? And this is a huge part too, right? It's not just about you know, growing mature so that I can feel pretty good about my maturity, right? That's not it. Now, now I wanna like multiply the work that's been done in me by Christ. I wanna press that and work in other, see that work in other people's lives. Right? And so maybe you have already sensed in your life, in your walk with Christ, okay, that, that God has now given you a desire. Like, man, I want to I wanna pick up a hammer and start swinging it, metaphorically. All right? I, I want to get to work. I, I, I want to I serve in the church. I want to serve according to my gifts. And, and for some of you, that's going to be, you know, maybe, maybe just kind of the way you're wired. And, and depending on your gifts, you want to want to serve in a background role. It's awesome. Or some of you, you know, maybe have a teaching gift or, 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 or you're, you're, you kind of have leadership potential and all of that. And so the Lord is kind of spurring you and motivating you to use your gifts and serve in the church and, and see the work that Christ has done in your life be done in the lives of other people. And the more mature we get, the more we multiply that maturity and the more the, the Holy Spirit does it through our actions, through our work, through our commitment to him, the, the, the healthier and, and the stronger our church becomes. And then, of course, I love that last part. All of this, all of it is done to the glory of God, right? Again, it's not about us, right? I know that there's, you know, talk about redemption church. And I know that there's you know, a new paint job everywhere and new signage and all of that. At the end of the day, it's not about any of that stuff. That stuff can burn up. That stuff can rip. That stuff can break. It's about God's glory. The focus, the spotlight, that's not on us. That's not on me. I don't want any of that. Right? It's about Jesus Christ. The glory goes to him. We're doing all of this because he saved us. And so of course we want to live for him. Of course we want to carry out his commands. We want to do it. And so again, the question that each of us really needs to ask here 
is, you know, am I committed to this? Right? You have to individually. I can't make you get there. You have to ask yourself, am I, commi- am I committed? Do I want to see this happen? I mean, the mission is, is clear. Right? Jesus didn't shy away from that. Right? He was, it's not nebulous or anything. So again, am, am I actually doing it? And then more specifically, am I committed to all of this? Am I committed to this whole thing? You know, so again, you, you kind of look at it again. Am I committed to seeing lost people saved? Right? Or, or am I... Am I too fearful when it comes to evangelism? Am I committed to sharing my faith? Am I committed to inviting people to church? I saw online just this week uh, a noted atheist, right? An atheist is someone who doesn't believe there's a God at all, right? But this, this atheist, he was saying, hey, listen, I have zero respect for people who do not proselytize. I have zero respect for people who don't, don't evangelize. He's like, if you Christians truly believe that heaven and hell exists, Right? And this is where all people are going, to one or the other. He's like, how much hatred do you have to have in your heart to not tell me that? Right? All because you think like, wow, it might be a little socially awkward. Right? I mean, that, that is like a devastating word. Like devastating. Are, are we committed to this? Are we committed to seeing lost people saved? Are we committed to seeing saved people matured? Right? Sometimes some of us, we kind of get saved and we think, well, you know, my, my foot's in the door now. I know, I know kind of where I'm headed. I know that I'm headed towards, towards heaven. And so now I'm just going to kind of mail it in, right? Mail it in Friday. That's kind of how I live my life. And I'm not going to get to work and I don't really care. And I'm going to kind of just coast. Are you committed to your maturity? Right? Some of us are very committed to other people's maturity. That person needs to be better. That person's lame. Right? And so we want to see it happen in them, but not in our own, in our own lives. Right? Are you committed to seeing you know, matured people multiplied? Do we want to see you know, leadership growing in our church? Do we want to see maturity spreading out all the way across? Right? Are you committed to maybe parts of this? Are you committed to this being for the glory of God? Or do you find this like, no, I, I want this for me? Do you sense that, that is, that's kind of the motive and the attitude of your heart? Why am I not in a position of leadership? Why do I not get to serve in this way? Or why am I, right? It's not about you. It's not about us at all. Are you committed to the glory of God? Listen, we've got a mission to accomplish here. Christ promises to be with you and I always to the very end of the age. He's like, hey guys, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's, let's go. Here's the second thing. We're committed to glorifying God through purposeful disciple making so that we can all grow spiritually mature. And we've talked a bit about the maturity piece already, but here it is in Ephesians uh, chapter four. We see that unpacked a little bit for us. Man, there's just so much, so much here. I would love to get into it, but we're gonna move through it somewhat quickly. Uh, Verses 11 to 16, it's on the screen. It says, and he, that's referring to Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Okay, so just think like the leaders of the church, he gave them, okay, to equip the saints, to equip the other Christians for the work of ministry, right? So he gave pastors and leaders and all of that. He gave them to, to equip the saints, to, to, to train them, to disciple them, to do the work of further discipleship, right? So it's not about, you know, one person or two people in the church or, you know, a small number of people in the church doing all the work of the church. It's about all of us doing the work. Okay, keep going. For the building up of the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? Well, that's the church, right? Christ's plan is here like, to see us built up, 
right? To see us grow, to see us be mature. And then he says there too, until we all attain the unity. Okay, I love that, that idea of unity together. We're gonna get into that more later, right? The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to, here it is, mature, right? Mature manhood, okay, or womanhood. Right? Maturity is the key to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is, a, which is a rich sentence, which is basically saying it's about Christ's likeness in all of us, that we would resemble Jesus more, right? The, the sinful desires, the sinful actions, all of that that we had, as we mature, as we grow, that stuff should start to be weeded out of us as the Holy Spirit grows us and transforms us. We should become more like Jesus. We should resemble Jesus more the more that we grow, not less like him, more like him. Keep going. It says, so that we may no longer be children. Now that's, that, that's children, spiritually speaking. He's not looking down on, on kids at all. He's talking spiritually, right? Spiritual infants, spiritual immaturity, that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Right? It's like when we remain spiritual infants, when we don't grow and we're not discipled, all right, we end up getting just carried away. Have you seen that in your life? Have you seen that in the lives of other people? People that get kind of excited. Yeah, I'm gonna come to church and, you know, I, I, and, and I'm gonna make a profession of faith maybe even. But then over time, what ends up happening because they're not being discipled or because they're not truly saved, maybe they start to kind of wander away and they hear some kind of teaching that, that's out there. It's not even biblical, but they start to follow it and start to go after that. And the world's values grips them and takes them, right? Spiritual maturity is so crucial in the life of a church that we would stand firm for Jesus. Okay, it keeps going, keep going here. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow, right? Grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, that's the church, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part, okay, so that's each person here in the church, when each person, each part is working properly, okay, which suggests to us that it's very possible to be in the church and not working properly, okay? When each part, each person is working properly, makes the body, that's the church as a whole, grow so that it builds itself up in love, as you can see here, that, that just a massive part of, uh, of, of the function and, and, and all of the effort that we put forth here and, 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 and the purpose of the church, you know, is, is simply to grow, right? We're, we're, we're to grow, that we would grow spiritually, that we would grow mature. That's what the building up of the body of Christ is about. It would, again, we would all grow to resemble Jesus himself, because to be spiritually mature is what a healthy and strong church looks like. Now, when you think about spiritual maturity, okay, how do you picture that? Okay, like, like, like what comes to mind? Like what is, what is, a, what is a spiritually mature person, you know, uh, look like in your head, right? Like how, how do you imagine that? Right? Maybe for you it's, you know, it's someone who has knowledge, right? Someone who has knowledge. I know that sometimes when we you know, become Christians and we feel like this is all so new to us and sometimes we're so kind of intimidated or impressed by, by people that just seem to know the Bible, 
right? So people that have memorized scriptures, they know where to point, they know where to go. And so, you know, we look at that and say, well, somebody who, you know, who's a mature believer has knowledge. And I would say that's absolutely correct, right? right? Maturity, part of maturity is growing in knowledge and growing in, in understanding of the word of God because we're humbling ourselves and we're reading it because we know we need it. We, need to, we know we need to, to kind of think the way God thinks and live the way God lives and love the way God loves. But let's be honest here. Some of the most knowledgeable people in the scriptures, not mature. Okay, not mature. I, th- I, th- I think about the, you know, the religious leaders uh, in the New Testament, right? You think about the, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. I mean, those guys had like peak knowledge. They, they knew the Bible inside and out. They had, it, they had it memorized. I mean, they were adding to it because they didn't think it had enough rules, Right? And so they were, you know, they were, they were full of knowledge. The problem was that they, they walked around like they were all that. And they, and, they, and, they, and they were harsh towards people. They had all the knowledge in the world, but they weren't exactly kind. I mean, they did something else that wasn't really great. It was like, oh yeah, right, they killed Christ. Right? Like, how, like, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure like spiritually mature people wouldn't do that. Right? So at the end of the day, we have to be careful to not just pigeonhole knowledge as, as everything when it comes to spiritual maturity. It's a part of it, totally. But are we, are we growing, growing in love? Do we care for people? Are, we being, you know, are, are the hard corners of our heart softening? Are, are, we, are we judgmental? Are we hard on each other? Right? So knowledge is part of it. Okay? But maybe for you, when you picture a spiritually mature person, you think about somebody who's gifted Right? When I think about spiritual maturity, it's that gifted person who's just so amazing at whatever they do. Right? They're so talented. And absolutely, as you grow in, in maturity, right, God is going to give you spiritual gifts. He gives everybody spiritual gifts that we're used to, to, you know, to, to, to serve the church and to glorify God. But of course, we also know that a lot of people who are supremely talented and have a lot of gifts are, you know, again, they're not mature. Right? And we have to remember, remember that, that, that character always trumps competency. Right? Just because someone's really good at something doesn't mean that they're necessarily mature. Perhaps for you, when you think about spiritual maturity, you picture somebody who is, who is older. Right? And for you, it's, kind of a, if it's, it's an age thing, and they're a little bit further down the line in, you know, in, in, in experience and in life and you know, maybe it's more gray hair or less hair or no hair, right? And that's, that's kind of what you think. And it's an age thing. And certainly, you know, the, the longer we're Christians and the more we're abiding in him and, and, and holding fast to him, he's transforming us, the more mature we should be towards the end of our lives, right? But I think it's also true that, that some of the most bitter people are, are sometimes older people, right? Even people who claim to be Christians, but they're just miserable because they haven't allowed the... the, the the trials maybe and the difficulties and the pain and, and the hurt and just the difficulty that life is, they haven't worked through that properly and it's created a root of bitterness in them. I'm not trying to oversimplify that by any means, but just, but just age, I mean, that, that's, that's part of, that can be part of maturity, certainly, but it doesn't mean that young people can't be growing in maturity as well. And so again, like what is spiritual maturity then? Again, if, if growing in knowledge and using your spiritual gifts and growing wise as you grow older are definitely aspects but some other themes that I think pop out all throughout the New Testament is something like humility, right? I've referenced that a few times, but humility is a huge part of spiritual maturity. I think about Philippians chapter two, right? The example of Christ, Christ's 
humility, how he humbled himself. This is the God of creation. He humbled himself to the point of death, dying for people that just have done nothing but sin against God. But he humbled himself because he loved us so much and he presents the perfect model for us. And as we grow in Christ, not just about you know, growing smarter or wiser or more gifted or, 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 or all of those things, it's about growing in humility. I also think when it comes to spiritual maturity, I think things like fruits of the spirit, we should be seeing those in our lives as we grow in maturity. And Galatians 5 spells that out for us in verses 22, 23. Right? As we're growing in maturity, it should be about things like love, right? joy. Is your joy growing? Peace, patience, kindness, kindness, right? goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we grow mature in these things, we'll see more of the fruit of the Spirit. This is not up to you to produce in your life. It's the fruit of who? The Spirit, right? The Spirit does the work in you. He transforms your hearts. I think another good picture of just, you know, kind of a, what, what spiritual maturity can look like in the Scriptures is, you know, where we find the elder qualifications, right? You see those in passages like 1 Timothy 3 and, and Titus chapter 1. And I think sometimes what we see is we, we look at those qualifications and we're like, oh, that's just for the select couple of men that are, that are gonna lead the church. Well, if you really think about it, that's really just kind of a picture of maturity that we should all be kind of working towards, right? Whether or not we would ever become an, like an official elder in that kind of a capacity, right? I love uh, what Mark Dever says. Mark Dever is a pastor of a church uh, in D.C., Okay, and he has a ministry called Nine Marks. And, and I know that I've shared this with, uh, with some of the men uh, in our church. And forgive me, I may have said this to you before, but I think it bears and it's worth repeating. He said, he said, listen, men in the church, he's like, if you are not, and he's just kind of throwing out an arbitrary kind of, you know, timeline here. But he says, if you are not in five years elder qualified, by come, from the first time you step into our church, five years from then, he's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? He says, like, you're, you're wasting your time, right? Let, 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 let's get to this. Let's be purposeful. Let, let, let's disciple. Now, certainly that's on, that's on the leadership too, to be, to be training men and, and, and teaching women that we would all be equipped, that we would all be mature. I know there's some, a lot of exciting discussions happening right now in our leadership about how we're gonna do that. We're gonna share some of that with you uh, as we go here this morning. Okay, but these are big things. Look, if we wanna be a healthy church and a strong church, we've gotta be committed to purposeful disciple-making. Purposeful. Growing spiritually mature. Right, as it says there in, in Ephesians 4, built up in love. That's what the church is to look like. Built up in love for the Lord, built up in love for, for each other, which I think really gets at this final thing here. We're committed to glorifying God through purposeful disciple-making being united together in intentional community. United together, community, intentional about that. Okay, take a look at Acts chapter two here. This is one of my favorite passages ever. I love this. And it just gives us a kind of a window here into what the very, very early church looked like. Okay, so the, the book of Acts is where we see the church being built. This is like chapter two, right? This is right near the beginning. And this is what their community looked like. Okay, it says this, it says, and they devoted themselves. Okay, this is the disciples there, right? They devoted themselves. So you see that it's purposeful, right? There, there was devotion. There, there was intentionality there. They devoted themselves to what? Well, to the apostles' teaching. With, 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 the, with the leaders, with the, with the disciples taught the church, which of course 
you know, is now, you know, makes up our, our New Testament, right? Some of what these guys wrote became what we now have in the New Testament canon, right? So they devoted themselves to this, right? To the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures. It says, and to the, and the fellowship, right? Fellowship is a word maybe we've heard, you know, a lot, but it's, it's that word koinonia. Have you heard that before, right? It, it, it denotes like a, like a rich spiritual community, right? A rich spiritual community. We were, we were growing together in depth, Okay, it says that they, they, they devoted themselves to this, to the, to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, it says, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's communion, there's meals, there's, there's prayer that we see there. Right, it says, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So as they were committing to these things, they were, they were in awe of God. Right, it says, and all who believed were together. Together, you see that unity there? This, this togetherness, within their community, it says that they had all things in common. What was that about? Well, it says, it says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were like, I'm not holding on to my thing. I'm not trying to build up you know, my wealth, my kingdom, my stuff. They're like, man, if other people have need, I, I, I wanna give it. There's a generosity being built there. The Lord was doing this. And it says, and day by day, attending the temple together. So there's a, like this corporate kind of worship that's happening, right? They were gathering together to, uh, in a corporate sense and look, breaking bread in their homes, right? It says that they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they had like a small group ministry going right out of the gate here, right? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved, All right? So one of the things that I believe is, you know, crystal clear in these verses is that, this, you know, purposeful disciple-making is to be an intentional, okay, unified effort accomplished within community, okay, w within us, okay? So, so meaning like, you know, North America has it all backwards, right? It's all about like rugged individualism, Right? You don't need people. You can do it yourself. Right? You don't need to be involved with anybody. You don't need to open up. You don't need to be transparent. Just, just accomplish it yourself. Right? And so oftentimes what happens in churches is you get kind of these rogue agents, so to speak. Right? You, get, you get individuals who, you know, who, who don't want to be part of the community. And you know, I, I have a different personality and I'm more introverted maybe. And you know, I just kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do this myself and I'm kind of a, more of a lone ranger and all of that. Just, I, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't, it's not there. We're gonna do this in community. And so again, okay, if we're looking to, to glorify God here as, as redemption church, right? You can kind of think, you know, large scale here, wide angle, right? We want to fulfill the, again, the mission that God has given us to go out and, and, and make disciples and we want to grow in spiritual maturity. And if that's what we want to do, then we've got to ask, what's the plan? Right, what's the plan? We've looked at it a, a little bit here. We've looked at it at certain angles. But another way of asking this, we're gonna have this on the screen. What does a quality of discipleship look like in our church? Right, what, is that, what does that look like? I think that's a great question. Okay, and you see them right there. And this is some language here that, that you are gonna hear more about in the coming days. This is gonna become common language. 
You know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning a, you know, a future you know, sermon, probably sermon series on this at some point to again, just kind of remind us of you know, who we are, what we're committed to and what we're going after. And so here's what a quality disciple looks like at our, at our church. It's abiding in Christ, it's connecting in the church and it's reaching the community, right? I, I love that. I think that's, that's pretty clear and that's, and that's relatively simply laid out, I think. Right? And the thing that I love about this too is that, is that our six distinctives are built right into these three things. Okay, so you think about abiding in Christ. What does that mean? It means clinging to him. Right? Well, how do we do that? How do we abide in Christ? How do we hold fast to him? How do we you know, make sure that we are, we are close to him? Well, it's, it's through bold preaching. Right? We need to come and hear God's word. We need to hear a message that God would have for us, one that's hopefully clear, one that's from the scriptures. Bold preaching is, is a big way that we kind of rally around once a week, at least together, and, 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 and hear from God's word. It's, it's through fervent prayer. If you're gonna abide in Christ and be close to him, we, we gotta be praying because prayer is humility. Prayer is admitting that we don't have this figured out. Lord, we need you, right? We need help, right? We see in abiding in Christ, we see passionate worship, right? These are things that we're trying to do even in, in, in this service alone here this morning. Again, we see this in Acts chapter two, right? We see this in the passage that, that we just read. The connecting in church piece, right? That's where we see purposeful disciple-making happening, right? Where it's an intentional and it's, it's in community, right? We do that within the context of our small groups. We do that in the, in the context of serving in the church and all the different ways that we use our gifts. Again, we see this happening right in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And one of the things I just wanna kind of give you a quick snapshot of here is that we're kind of excited about going into uh, the next couple of months is a way that we want to, you know, grow in our, you know, connecting in the church and discipling you and, and us doing that together as a church is, is what we're gonna be doing uh, in our small group curriculum in January. All right, each of you, if you're in a small group, you're gonna get uh, one of these books right here. All right, it's a 12-week study. So normally what we do in our small groups is we have what we call pulpit curriculum, Right, so Mike preaches a sermon, a bunch of questions are prepared that, that are kind of working towards application. How do I apply this to my life? Okay, we're gonna put, press pause on that and for 12 weeks, everyone is going to go through this. We're really thrilled about it because really what it does is it works through the one another's. Right? How can we actually disciple each other? What does that look like according to the scripture? How can we, how can we love one another? Right? How can we welcome one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another? instruct one another, confess to one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, comfort one another, stir up one another. Each week, we're gonna look at one of these and, and, and really just ask, how do, we, how do we do this as a small group? How can our small group be more intentional and, and better at this and grow in this? And how can we be unified in this mission? Something that's happening in just a few weeks is the small group leaders are gonna get together with Jeremy and get some training on this. And the leaders are gonna learn, like, here, here's what we're going for. We're gonna reframe this slightly. And we're gonna go after, how do we get after the hearts of our people? And how can we do this together? And I like when you put these two things together, it gets all of us rowing in the same direction, right? No longer is it just the small group leaders who kind of, you know, have a sense of where we're going, but everyone else is kind of like, what is this about? No, we all get it. We're all going after it. We're going after it. We're unified. We're together, right? I love that. And this third one, of course, is reaching the community, and that's where we see the distinctives of, of just courageous evangelism. Courageous evangelism, it is not about just building up some kingdom here. I've said that a few times, I think, already this morning. It's not just about this and looking flashy and having some kind of slick thing. It's about going out into the world. That's what Jesus, he says, go. All right, go. Get out there. Go do this. All nations. 
How can we do that in a, in a local sense? How can we reach this area more effectively for Christ? How can we you know, do that globally? And, and, and are, there, are, are there churches that we can partner with? Can we see you know, churches planted around the world? We're gonna hear about strategic church planting and, and look at these things. I'm thrilled for, uh, about it. And again, we see this all here in this passage in Acts chapter two, right? We see that. The Lord is building his church. And again, all of this, as we talk about these three things here, all of this is to ensure a quality of discipleship here at Redemption. And let me just say something here as we close this time together. And, and listen, I, I say this, and I'm not trying to kill the mood or anything like that, all right? I'm really not. But I just wanna say this. This is not easy. It's not. It is not a simple thing. It's not, it's not easy to do. It requires blood, sweat, and tears, essentially. Right, it, it does. It, it's hard even when it's done well. And I think my fear would be that we kind of cast this vision of, of kind of what we would like to go after, what we, and then we think it's kind of all easy now because it's been framed a certain way. No, it's not. We've all got a flesh. We've all got sin nature. We, we, all, fight our, our, we all fight that, and, and the Spirit of God is changing us. We're all in the middle of our own sanctification. It can be very uncomfortable to grow in Christ and to grow in maturity. It can be painful even. You know, and I've heard well-meaning Christians criticize you know, other Christians and other churches and just kind of say, like, you know, we need to get back to like being an Acts 2 church. Right? And they look at this passage that we're looking at and they're like, man, like, that was sweet. You see how they're like sharing food together? Why, why don't we go out to Swiss Chalet anymore? Right? No one even wants to do that. Right? And why, why don't we just like open up the Bible? Why do we have to talk at such a surfacey level? Right? Why, can't, why can't we do this? Let's be, in, let's be an Acts 2 church. But do you understand, if you're thinking that, trust me, I would love to have that too. But do you understand that the context of the Acts 2 church was like mega persecution? Right? They were being dragged to prison. They were getting beaten. Some of them were getting killed. Right? And their, their freedoms were being stripped away. And because of that, God built this because that's all they had. Right? All they had was God. All they had was each other. And so if we don't go for this, we got, we got nothing else. And that's the problem with living in the country that we live in. We've got so many other things. We're so distracted by it. Our priorities are so you know, taken by all these other things, good things, but they become the enemy of the best thing, which is this. And so are we committed to this? Are we gonna go after it? Are we gonna just recognize this is, this is hard, this is brutal. I'm gonna learn through failure. Trust me, I've learned through so much failure. I'm still learning through failure. You will, I will, that's the way it works. The mission to make disciples that we're committed to here as a church, it's tough. It's hard, but listen, it's worth it. Some of you might be wondering here, yeah, I'm not so sure, man. This has been painful, and I think some of us know, like, the church can just be so messy, right? Churches can be just these just painful places, and Christians can just be so brutal to each other. And... But listen, the other thing we have to remember is that there's nothing like the church when the church is clicking. Right? The world cannot offer this. Getting a membership at Cardinal, I love golf. That's never gonna offer you what Christ can, what the, what the church can. As we're all working together, as we're all unified in this, as Christ is working, when the church is healthy and strong. Right? That's what we're praying for. God be glorified in all of this as we engage in this noble, in this in this lofty task by his grace and in and through his spirit. Again, what? For the glory of his name. Not for ours, for his.